they would bring in they would bring in deer to the office to draw them to mm-hmm. then go this is what it should look like in the movie this is bambi yeah wow bambi was uh bambi's that was a- not just a guess what's that bambi's not just a guess they based bambi on some, <laughs> some stuff it would be great. See, those are the Disney secrets that I want to come out some, someday when they just go, boy, we really did not know what a beast looked like. And then somebody like <laughs> makes some bad joke. They're like, yeah, until you go to Brian's house and you open his fridge. Like, Dude, I, I, I sent you that pic in confidence. Who sends pictures of fridges? Um, yeah, but no, you, do, you definitely have Pixar energy, which I think is a, which is a compliment, not sketch energy like you alluded to. But um, up... That's up a nice thing. You have a big face. No. Oh, man, dude. You fix our energy. Your you, face is too big. Your face your is cartoony. No, you're, by the way, enough with the face jokes. You got a great face. You, at some point, we're going to reach a day where people are going to be like, dude, not buying it. Enough self-deprecation over. Uh, it's nice. Over- it's just so round. See, I, it's not like even. Like a Pixar cartoon. Yeah. Would you, would you want to voice a, uh, <laughs> okay, well, when you do that, all I can <laughs> hear is uh, tiny cartoon mice singing and harmonizing about laundry. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what would you want to voice just on the topic of cartoons? What Ooh. character? Everyone's thought about that. And the further we get into this business, those things are going to become actual opportunities. And you're going to have to be ready when, you know, Dan Disney or whoever's running the fucking company goes, you no, know, Taylor, I've seen your act. I like your joke about um, about uh, relationships. <laughs> Look at me just not being Thanks able for watching to my point. special, Adam. Oh, I did watch it, by the way. But I also... I know, I was just teasing you. If I can be honest, by the way, I was trying to rack my brain for a bit I saw in your new hour that you did in Aspen. Because to me, you know, oh. and whatever, I think you should just get better. Your Netflix special is fucking great. But that new hour was like when I was like, oh. She's awesome. And there's, so I was trying to do a bit in that racket, but then I also was like, well, that's not out yet. So don't reference it, even though I won't be doing the bit. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to give away a secret before it's even out. Um, Oh, that's so nice. uh, But I was going to reference the bit, the one that came into mind about uh, being on top in a relationship and the things the guys Mm -hmm. say to the girls. Very funny. Right. That's the one Disney will glom onto. (laughs) That's the one that Dan Disney will go, I really like that joke about being on top. (laughs) I think this meeting's over. (laughs) I think I'll voice an (laughs) HR employee in the next film. Um, No, what would you want to, what creature or animal would you want to be? I feel like I'd want to be a chipmunk because it's probably the cutest animated character totally with with that still has a little bit of edge uh, <laughs> a chipmunk with edge you know, cause, yeah because like you're a bunny anything? or something yeah maybe like a maybe like a like a chipmunk with a joint or something um <laughs> or just a chip on a very progressive disney pixar movie um yeah because when i was in when i was a kid i got teased for my cheeks all the time and people would like call me i had chipmunk cheeks so it would feel like sort of taking back the night i like that that's actually very it's way more thoughtful than i thought you were going to come back with uh see i was teased for the cheeks too but i was teased from like i got top to bottom people were like look you on a whole look like a jelly bean who swallowed a jello machine and um, <laughs> so I got the full, <laughs> they didn't just settle on above the neck. They went, they went from head to toe. Was, was Chester Chipmunk, or who was it? Chubby, what'd they call you? Chubby Chipmunk? What was it? You said I had Chipmunk Cheeks. Chipmunk Cheeks, okay. Was there, mm-hmm. did it bother you? Because I'm always curious with the, this isn't how you became a, co- a comedian, was it? Like getting, because for me, I, you know, getting enough of that, but then I was like, all right, time to, throw back and then start being funny and then all of a sudden it was like oh now you're not the fat kid you're the funny kid but did you just kind of brush it off or were you affected by any sort of teasing I'm curious I think I probably started being more self-deprecating up top to head any of that off yeah and I still do it as an adult and so when people get annoyed with me uh, as you just did where you said enough with the face jokes (laughs) I go no no no. I've earned this this is 
These yeah. are years. This is how I've survived. Yeah. And also, like, I was on I was on a Whitney Cummings podcast, and she was saying very nice things about me. And I said, "Yeah, but like, this is recent. Like, I wasn't I wasn't like that attractive growing up. You know what I mean? So inside, you don't feel. I'm sure you feel this way too, where you're like, inside, I feel like who I was when I was 12. Oh, a thousand percent. Forever. Yeah. And sometimes just to you know get that emotion truly uh you know back uh, on on a whole i'll i'll dip a couple pop tarts into cool whip and just kind of do this thing where you just kind of scrape it like you're a zamboni around the edges yeah and um we call that meal coming home <laughs> that's a homecoming meal right there I do you always, ever just eat really badly just because you get nostalgic yeah and that's oh. what you were doing when you were a kid oh yeah i mean the amount of my freshman year in college was in uh the um the fraternity and uh it was actually sophomore year living in the house and um and i had i was the kitchen steward so i had the key to the kitchen so all the potheads this is when i truly started getting high and just realizing the power that potheads give you if you have the key to the snacks and um right. and they would wake me up at two in the morning and i was like guys i have class at nine i have to do this <laughs> You know, full scene from my acting class. It's my final, and they're like, they just hold up joints outside the window. And I was like, all right, one, one, you know, uh, taquito or whatever. I was gonna, you know, open their their eyes and hearts to. And I would go down there, and we also had the job of going to Costco to buying all the snacks. So I remember we had Costco muffins and ice cream and pop. We had just everything. We had like this budget for that your parents are giving to the fraternity that is going to like drinking parties, caravanning you know, sorority girls in the buses to the events that you are orchestrating and then the snacks and possibly the, uh, the STD creams. And so, uh, <laughs> I, I put one night, I put two pop tarts and a scoop of ice cream in between a Costco muffin, which by itself is a heart attack waiting to happen. So you got muffin, muffin, you got, I love, by the way, you are the commercial for this. If I ever get stony or broke enough to pitch this, you are, please let me save this Zoom footage of you going, <laughs> like you just saw your son come home from war and he had the muffin with a Pop-Tart. <laughs> that was genuine. I'm so, I'm so proud of and worried for you. Yeah, great. Both legit emotions. So, so I have the Pop-Tart ice cream in between the muffin and I have it like this and I'm about to take a bite of it like it's a regular sandwich. And my buddy just goes, you were a fat kid, weren't you? And I just started laughing and spit the whole thing out. He's like, only a fat kid would think to put Pop-Tart muffin ice cream muffin. And I was like, yeah, dude, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of college. Um, well, also, you had, a, you know, you had class in the morning and you were in a hurry. Yeah. So you can't eat Thank all you. those things individually. It's breakfast on the go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Those Costco muffins are Dangerous. no joke. Right? Thank oh, you. my God. They're so good. So big so unnecessarily big you're like oh. one gets you through a week but they're like or a day and you're like good point costco <laughs> uh wait. oh my god that's so true and so, growing up i'm sure there were days that that's all i ate was just like halves of those giant muffins i know at different intervals of the day i'm like what is it noon i guess it's time for another half a muffin Let's let's shoot, switch things up with poppy seed. That's how you even had any idea that it was nighttime. Is it if you were out of muffins? Yeah. Like there's only a quarter left. It must be seven o'clock. Um, <laughs> did you have? Um, uh, were you like super as quick and personable as you are now as a kid? Because I always feel like that who we are now, and you're you know I think ten years younger than me, but but I I still feel like at a certain age, we do develop like the, not necessarily comedic chops, but just enough wherewithal to know, to, I think you start to really blossom into who you're gonna be at around like, I don't know, 12 to 15. I think you get a lot of the, a lot of the chips or a lot of the cards that are gonna be in your deck for who you are as a person, I guess, if I were to explain it. You know what I'm saying? Like you start to uh, yeah. accumulate like who you are based on the people that are around you and your environment and your folks and all that. Um, so were you, how much of this did, uh, did your friends get at like, you know, 12 elementary school, I guess. I mean, I was funny with my friends, but I wasn't like a class clown or anything. And 
I really was very shy yeah. until like college. I mean, I started doing stand-up in high school, obviously, but it wasn't until I got to college and I started working and I had to talk to people all the time as just like a cashier at a restaurant I, that I, I started get, I used to be like afraid to make phone calls to order food or whatever. Like I was very, wow. very shy. Yeah, and I had horrible stage fright, like, the first few years that I did stand-up. It took a long time for me to uh, not be afraid. I mean, once I was on Which stage, I was comfortable. For a few years, really, you think? I mean, yeah. Terrified? Like, no, I, you know, I did so much theater that being on stage wasn't as terrifying. It still, though, took, yeah, time to get comfy to where I wasn't nervously pacing or moving without a purpose. But, so, I don't, I mean... It is funny though that people like you're so grounded now. So, and I think it's easy for people to look at that and go, there's no way that you ever had a problem, but like, it's still public speaking. It's still just because you're good at it now. It doesn't mean you just decide you want to do stand up, And then that part just goes away. Like the, uh, the nervousness of, of being in front of people that's, you know, that and the writing are just like constantly kind of climbing to meet each other in the middle to where it all can, you know, mesh up for, for one special that Disney's going to be, be on board with, but did, was there something <laughs> that somebody said to you that made you um, minimize your anxiety to be on stage? Or was it just like, I'm just gonna have to do this a billion times and eventually just, you know, there the, are the, those old things about like picture people in their underwear or like with a swastika on their face or I had a weird GP <laughs> teacher, but, but something, <laughs> something to make you go, all right, this isn't as bad as it could be, you know? I think I I talked to a comic when I was like 19 who just said like you're really good and you don't work hard enough and Whoa. you need to be getting on stage like every night as much as possible and Huge. if you don't make it it's your own fault. Whoa. So that was big for me because it made me go okay, I guess I have to just get over this. I have to get over how scared of it because I was only going up like maybe a couple times a week. And once I started getting on stage every single night, it was like, oh, I'm not as scared anymore because there's another one, there's another show tomorrow or in half an hour or, you know, once you're doing it that much, it, the stakes get much lower because right. there's less pressure on each individual set. Yep. So I think that's what did it for me. Yeah, you have to have somebody at some point to kind of go out of the way to give you that. Otherwise, you're kind of going to just stay in your own I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Like naivety, naivete. How do you say that word? Mm -hmm. Naivete, right? Yeah. Of naivete, just, yeah. Yeah. Of just what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and I think more now so, um, just because I think we all have, uh, you know, more accessibility to communicate with one another that comics that have, uh, you know, more experience are a little more willing to, and I'm just speaking for myself and what I've gotten and what I've done because you get a young comic that'll just hit you up on Twitter and be like, any advice? And you know, you try to give them the, you know, um, without having it be a stereotypical answer, I'm sure yours is the same where it's just like, control what you can control, write, get up, find a, you know, I always try to find something that is not just that, like get a community uh, of people that, you know, hanging out is not like incredibly essential, but at least, having people that you can not even bounce ideas off of, but just kind of um, share the grind with so that you don't feel so alone because you can't really call your folks or siblings if you're having a bad night after a set and have them make you feel better because they don't relate. So it's like having somebody else in that world, I think is imperative. Yeah, that's great advice. I usually just say write and perform as much as possible yeah. because I'm, it's, it's I'm not it. as thoughtful as a mentor, but <laughs> that was very good advice that you just gave. But I was well, like, oh, I should do that. Again, this is part of like just being older. If there's certain, like, I already have enough things in my life at 37 where I'm like, oh, am I, am I 37 or am I trapped in the body of a 37 year old, but I'm actually 22. But so you have right. to try to at least say things that sound more your age sometimes. But it truly is like an experience thing. Like the, there have to have been times already in, in your, uh, you know, you're very, um, successful career where you go wow i can't believe i you know did that piece of material or i took that gig or i've done this to all build to this moment yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's even just doing sets in LA. I mean, when you do a show in LA, sometimes that's all it takes to give way to like a huge opportunity right. that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And that's why we end up doing so many bad shows because you just never know when it's going to be the one. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. always when you don't expect it that that's the one where there's some executive there who's there to see someone else or is involved in the fundraiser and goes, oh, you'd be perfect for this part. And then you get a TV role or it's like those stories are, are maybe sound cheesy and dumb and like this idealistic version of Hollywood, but it kind of is like that out here. Like you just kind of have to be around and keep showing up and doing the work. And if you keep doing that, things happen. Yeah. How quickly did you get your, wasn't it with ABC, right? It was with, you had a pilot deal with them, right? Like pretty early out yeah, of the we, wrote, we wrote, yeah, we wrote a pilot for ABC that didn't go, which was, I guess a few years ago now, two years ago now. Um, and that was coming out of uh, JFL right. for New Faces. Yeah. So, you what know, good experience. You? Yeah. What did that do for you as far as like oh. now? Do you, do you look back and go, man, if I get, if, when I get that now, like I've just seen and done so much more, had way more people in my corner probably coach you through, you know, the X's and O's of, of what you can do differently. At the, at the end of the day, I think it's still, you know, what you're going to do and, and say and bring to the table that's going to make something happen or not. But, but do you feel like you have a, a, a more openness to like the people around you to kind of guide you on what, what to do? now versus then I think I had I have pretty much the same people around me that yeah. I did then um obviously I've been with my agency longer at this point but I was with my management team at that point as well and I feel like they've always given me pretty good advice and not led me astray and been pretty upfront with me and don't bullshit me um I I think I just learned what I didn't want to make doing it because I think we made the best version of the show they wanted right as opposed to the best version of the show we wanted yeah because i went into those meetings not going this is the show i want to make i went in going this is how i grew up this is my life this is my family i hope you think i'm funny and they're like cool we want to make the show and you're like what show so i think now it, i have a lot more um clarity on what i want to do and projects i want to be involved with and what makes more sense for me personally and um and i'm so glad that that show didn't get made because if it had i would not have been headlining as much as i have the last couple years yeah and i wouldn't have been in a place where i could have done a netflix special i just wouldn't have been ready or it wouldn't have been as good and because that show didn't go i did so much road work over the last few years and I, I honed this hour and was able to somehow pull off Netflix letting me speak for an hour. So, you know, it's, it's a stupid, maybe privileged uh, way of thinking, but sometimes it, it really feels like, oh, that thing happened for a reason. Or yep. That thing didn't happen for a reason. I know on your podcast, Self Helpless with Delaney and Kelsey, which is fantastic. You guys dive into a lot of stuff like that. Have you... Have you gained from doing a podcast like that more um, self-awareness of, you know, just aspects of being a person and trying to, I guess, you know, seek out self-help type things? Or were you always someone that was like, you know, like even you on Whitney's pod, which was a great chat to listen to. I, I think you both are so like, you know, self-aware and just wanting to be like the best version of yourself, which I think is a great trait. <clears throat> Whitney, I think is you know, obviously got experience uh, on you, but just seems that she is, you know, really just got every, like she says things sometimes and quotes it from a book or an article where I'm just like, oh, you're really doing the work as far as knowing how every little thing that we do and why we do it and how we tick. And I get not turned off, but like scared from some of that sometimes because I'm like, I don't want to have, I don't want to be uh, in the know of everything of why it happens. Like I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like mm -hmm. having all the answers or being at the, uh, having it at my disposal. Like sometimes I just kind of want to like live and learn, you know, and not oh, really that's interesting. have the breakdown of like going into this, keep this in mind. You know what I'm saying? Almost mm -hmm. like, uh, going into a, a morning interview for a press for radio and, 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 
having them not set you up for bits, but just getting to kind of wing it and have a conversation and trust that you're going to get through it. Yeah. I mean, here's what I'll say about that. I think people who are into like self-help stuff or self-improvement tend to gravitate towards it when they're going through that specific thing. Yeah. I don't know that anybody, at least I've that, that would be like if you read a book about breakups while you were in uh, a honeymoon period of your relationship. Right. I don't while you were, were dipping you know, pop tarts and cool whip. Right. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that I'm, I'm that level of like, I think the podcast has made me, um, read things or watch things or research things or talk to people that maybe I wouldn't have normally Yeah, because Kelsey or Delaney is interested in them or we have a, a fan write in and say they think it would be interesting or we think it would be interesting to listeners or we just want to learn more about it. But there are things that don't apply to all of our lives. I mean, we did a long distance relationship episode before any of us were in one and learned a lot and, and we're kind of just applying what we could as like traveling comedians who were away from our partners for a lot of the time. Okay. So you guys um, were just discussing like if you were in one kind of. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, Kelsey and I travel all the time. So you're kind of in a part-time long distance relationship. Yeah. As a you guys should have hit me up by the way. I've been in three. Really? Yeah. You got, I mean, well, if you do a, live? if you do a part two, one was in Indonesia, one was in my basement and what? one was, I'm sorry. These are, bad jokes oh one was, I, I, uh, i'm sorry i was <laughs> you didn't hear the second is one did you real? no but the basement <laughs> no um uh not funny not true we will keep that in but just hope that the public knows it was a joke um i talked over it i'm sorry everyone listening no I it's fine the basement line. it was very funny hey, I indonesia crushed indonesia. yeah <laughs> Hey guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Man, it's good to be back. And you know what? The best part about being back is sharing the goodies with you, the fans. I love candles, okay? You know from listening to this podcast, we've always had candles living around the apartment and now my new place. And um, I'm tired of buying the bullshit candles from the store. I want some personal touch. I want something handmade. So that's why I found Hangover Candle Company. That's right. Homemade by a bartender in Fort Collins, Colorado. He's a big comedy fan, podcast fan, reached out, said, I love the pod, would love to some, send you some candles. I'm like, I'm not comfy giving you my address. He's like, come on, trust me. I was like, all right, let's roll the dice. Boom. Now I've got fucking 40 different flavors of Hangover Candle Company candles in my place. Um, they're cut, sanded, poured, packed, and shipped all by him. Um... And you can choose from over 200 different containers, okay, to build your candle in. And over 40 different scents to create your own uh, smell. You can customize your own scents. Shit, man, they've got flavors like uh, fucking root beer, apple pie, cinnamon stick, coffee, fresh cut grass, uh, hazelnut, lavender, leather, maple syrup, peach, pine, sandalwood, spearmint, sea breeze, vanilla bean, watermelon. Go to Hangover Candle Co. Uh, on Etsy, okay? Go to Etsy. Type in Hangover Candle Co. It'll pop up the shop and then pick your candles and then use the promo code ALN25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. 25%. Hangover Candle Co. is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, but again, go to Etsy, type in Hangover Candle Co., find the candles and the smells you want, create your own, and then use ALN25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. I love candles. They're great for any occasions, bar mitzvahs, circumcisions, uh, fucking weddings, funerals, gender reveal parties, uh, divorce parties, uh, coming out parties, coming in parties, coming parties. These candles are the shit, and they're my fave, and I want you guys to have them. So type in Etsy.com, and then type in Hangover Candle Co., and, uh, and pick your candles and use ALN25 at checkout for 25% off. All right? Start smelling better. Start looking better. Start feeling better, okay? Because everybody farts, and candles are a great way to get rid of that. And now back to the episode. That's on me for opening with a, with a comedy location that, uh, okay, what? so New York was one. It was, um, it was L.A. to, well, okay, the first one was, was college. So we came from, uh, both from Seattle. I went to USC. She went to Santa Barbara. So we were like, oh, we're two hours away. What's, why would we not try this? Because we were, we were yeah. devastated. We met, we probably started, we knew each other forever, but we started dating end of high school, which was like December. And, and now come around June, we're graduating. We're both on the quarter, uh, I'm sorry, the semester system for college. So we're both going down in, in August. 
And it was just like, we're two hours away. Why not take a stab? Like, that's crazy. She was going to have a car. Um, There's a train from LA to, to SB and, and I was able to borrow friends' cars and whatnot. So did that for almost two and a half, three years of college. And then it was wow. just like, she's like, yo, next year, I'm either staying down here or going back to Seattle. And I'm like, I am not like, and I wasn't this like, I am not getting married. That is a wrap. <laughs> but I was, I was, I was very, you know, sincere about it, but it, about needing at least a, a year of college to, and not even like be single and, and promiscuous, but which is great, but is, but being able to do like my plays and be, do some fraternity stuff, which got minimized because of the acting school. I wasn't able to participate in as much stuff and just be around. Cause I was leaving every other weekend to go up and see her. And I was mm. like, I feel like I'm missing even a buddy who lives in LA. was like, you want to go to the Dodger game? My dad knows the owner. And I'm like, I can't, I'm going to Santa Barbara to do the same shit, you know? And it was right. like, I started to really go, I'm missing out and this sucks. And I'm going to look back and hate that. So that stopped. And then she married my best friend uh, from high school. And, they, I made a, and I made a cartoon about their marriage and their family got really upset. And it's a classic Pixar story. So, oh, um, my God. I did not know this. And I'm loving every second of it. Really? No, oh, yeah. It's if you just <laughs> look up. Yeah, they hated it. And then my friends who were still friends with them were getting down on me being like, how could you? How could dude? we're still friends with them? How could? And I was like, does anyone want to take my side in this? And also. I, I never said I wasn't like, first of all, my buddy had asked me if he, if it was okay. I was like, I mean, it's weird, but I'm not going to, you're a grown man. Do what you're going to do. Like it's been a year. It's still kind of fresh. Like, you know, but like, if this is do you know, and then he said, man, there's only one you, there's a million girls. There's only one Adam Ray. I go, well, that was very, that was really sweet. And I feel like if that's how you feel, then I guess I'll trust it, that it's not worth it, whatever. But again, don't do anything on my, and then, I, and then I see him like with her and then they get married. And I was like, all right, cool. Now, as a comedian, when I'm dealt a hand like that, it's very specific. You got to make fun. Yeah. I hadn't really. And the quick way was to write a funny sketch, have my buddy animate it and put it online. And I did that and they hated it. So anyway. How then do there was, I watch this? What's that? <laughs> How do I watch this? Uh, I'll give you her dad's phone number and he'll text you a link. No, it go to it. <laughs> That's the only communication I have with him. No, it's just type in, I think my name, like cartoon wedding speech, I think. Okay. Oh, easy. Cartoon yeah. wedding speech. Yeah. It's probably. And then what's the. <laughs> but watch, there's like a whole, you hit me back up. You're like, dude, there's a lot of these and there's a lot of them under your name. So it's, it, which is weird. <laughs> um, so the other one was then uh, end of college, same kind of thing to, uh, she went to New York. We did that for a couple of years and then she went to Reno to be a news reporter. And then that ended. And then LA to Seattle and um, for about three years. And I always was like, man, am I just not gonna be able to do one in the same place? Because I was like, what does mm -hmm. it say about me? But it, I enjoyed that I was, <laughs> well, what I enjoyed was able to, <laughs> you know, um, be focused on, on career and, and, and look, and, Distance makes a heart grow fonder. And, and it was, I think love, what I learned, love gets you through about a year, year and a half. And then compromise does have to happen because there's no way the missing becomes too heavy. The, um, the fights start to, uh, you know, develop out of nowhere from dumb things. The timing gets off, mm -hmm. especially East Coast, West Coast. The girl in New York before she went to Reno was working as a page at NBC and she uh, was working SNL parties and she <laughs> at one point she's like i gotta go john stamos wants to talk to me click and i was like and I, in my head i was just like <laughs> laying laying down like this just play, playing out john stamos penetrating my girlfriend <laughs> at the party like while she's still holding the phone i'm like i bet he just came up right behind her put it right in and she let him because he's stamos um <laughs> so it's you know you have to i think at some point get on the get in the same place which is what i'm doing now which is way better and how often did you see those people? When I was the, um, should I lay down? I feel like that was definitely, the way you sipped after the question was very therapeutic. There's a therapy sip, is that not true? Anybody, anybody not watching uh, the video of this podcast, I am sipping tea and uh, wearing a shawl and taking notes. Uh, I, 
I, yeah, for not so much for the Santa Barbara one, because that was probably like every weekend, but for the other two, how often were you seeing those people in a month? Seattle one was also family, so I would try to double dip on that and go home once a, um, a month, once every two months sometimes. Okay. New York one, you know, I was working at Universal Studios at the time, so I would just basically take my Wolverine paychecks and cash them in <laughs> for a JetBlue ticket. And because she, she was nine to six or nine to seven Monday through Friday, and uh, Wolverine was a little more, <laughs> was a little, <laughs> little looser of a schedule. Sometimes number two and number one Wolverines could, uh, could you know, take my shifts. Um, <laughs> and yes, if you do deductive reasoning, I was number three Wolverine. Um, so, so I would go over there, you know, at least once a month, which was a lot. And sometimes every six to eight weeks. And that just is like, then I start getting like, am I the only one having to, to do this? New York's oh. cool. But then you're just like, yeah, just the wear and tear. Have you ever done long distance? uh besides sam yeah. no i mean and what a unique situation that is because that's like you got i mean he kind of shared with me when he was on which is um just really great and i don't know how much we have to rehash it but from your perspective like you know it's it's at a how long were you dating before now before you you're living together uh about six months in so the enough it's like enough time that you could be solid but not enough time that it's like of course i'm gonna stay with you you know what i mean it's yeah. like right yeah. that honeymoon period but yes. also being long distance as i'm sure you know you you kind of like you get closer and have serious conversations about your future so much faster than you would with a person who lives you know 30 minutes to an hour from you i've never yeah. dated anybody who lived like 10 minutes from me everyone i've dated has been like 45 minutes to an hour and a half away from me. Whoa. Um, Strategic. So for me, I'm like two hours to Santa Barbara. That's nothing. Like that doesn't seem to be a deal. But yeah, I mean, LA to New York, when we first started talking, I was like, this is a terrible idea. Like, when are we going to see each other? And once we decided to date, I mean, it was, I started off thinking like, okay, if we can see each other once a month, that'll be good for, you know, a good chunk, like three to five days. And as you know, I think we went like one, two and a half week period where we didn't see each other. And we wow. were like, this sucks. Like we can't do this. And at first it was like, okay, we can't go three weeks. Like that was too long. We can't do that again. And then it was like, okay, we, two weeks feels too long also. And it's like, all right, 10 days is really pushing it. And so January and February, except for maybe like one week, we had been, either both of us coming back to LA or both of us coming back to New York from the road, like pretty much every week. So we were seeing each other a lot, but I mean, neither of us have ever seen anyone we've dated this much. I've never wow. spent a month straight with anybody I've dated. You know, I mean, I'm sure you haven't either as a road comedian where you're traveling every weekend. Like, Fuck no, that's new, no, that's new territory. Brand new territory. When I lived with my ex, he would travel with me sometimes, but like for the most part, I saw him, you know, Sunday or Monday through Wednesday. Yeah. And then wouldn't see him on the weekends unless he came with Can't me to Chicago that. or <laughs> Denver or whatever. So yeah, the, and you know, a lot of us have never been literally trapped in an apartment with somebody we're dating or, or even married to. Like I was talking to Dustin Nickerson, who's a comedian who we, both friends with and uh i said like man like this is like two weeks in i'm like marriage is really hard and he goes he goes this is so much harder than marriage he's like there are no breaks this is so much different than wow. and he's been married for like 15 years so does he have kids yeah he's got three kids wow yeah yeah that's he decided that's worse or better right now yeah i know weren't you saying that on whitney's pod about wishing you had kids or she said she no, did. Whitney was like, yeah. Whitney was like, should I just get pregnant? And I was like, no, are you kidding me? <laughs> now yeah. I'm like, the world is terrifying. Why would I bring more people into yeah. this terrifying mess? Oh, definitely not. Now that we know pandemics are real. I've definitely had thoughts like that, though. I definitely thought about shaving my head a couple of days ago. Um, a lot of people. Sam said that. Yeah. I was is like, that, what, did, what? Is that a Jewish guy? What thing? are we doing here? 
like, we know what the shaved heads looked like. It was not a good look. That's not, <laughs> that's not funny. But um, well, I thought Nikki Glazer tweet something like that, too, about wanting to shave her head. I think a lot of people. I thought you were about to say about she it, did do it. Gone. That's crazy. No, I no, I don't think she did it. What is it, that's not a thought that crosses a girl's mind, does it? Like the GI Jane, like I think like, it does. Really, out of boredom or out At of like a short haircut? Yeah. Would you ever do that? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Did shave it? Cut? Yeah. I would never shave my head because I'd look like Charlie Brown. But I would. Oh my I would God. maybe cut it short if I could go get it cut by a professional. I would never cut my own hair short. That's a terrible idea. But if I could go get it cut by someone who knows what they're doing right now and get it cut short just to see, I would probably do that right now since we got a few months to let it grow out. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's Why not? A, few a few months at least. We were texting about this a little bit ago too when you were like, we're just sharing our own concerns for what's happening. And I didn't really think of it as a possibility until I think you said it. I'm going to paraphrase, but it was something like, I don't know if you said like if stand up comes back or wet, like if we're even going to have careers when this is over. And I was just tipsy enough to go, could that happen? You know, like what I was like, <laughs> I hadn't really put that down as an option, but which that's crazy. But I, you know, I know you were joking, but also kind of being like, well, there's so much uncertainty that nobody, nobody knows. That's what's really crazy is that, you know, whether it's media or scientists or anyone in the, um, you know, in, in our government that you look to for an answer, it's like, there's no, I think I heard Rogan even say this. He's like, you just don't, there's no timetable. I've talked to doctor friends that are like, or people, you know, in the NBA that are like, they're saying maybe this, but we don't, because we don't know X, Y, Z, we can't even start talking about A, B, and P, you know? That's not yeah. a saying, but you get what I'm trying to. <laughs> what I'm trying to lay down <laughs> something about like understanding having a timetable to where you can predict any sort of you know um idea when normalcy will resume do you what what do you miss most about stand-up oh my god I mean all of it I mean we've been at home just going do you miss airports I miss airports yeah like shit you never miss like all the the shitty parts about doing stand-up like the travel and whatnot I'm like I would kill to eat at like an airport chilies right oh, now oh god you know i would love to get a sandwich that's past its due date from a wolfgang <laughs> puck dispensary shelf and it's not even wolfgang puck it's like it's like a food to go mart but it's a wolfgang puck sandwich <laughs> that somebody put there because they decided they didn't want it and you're like i know this is two weeks old i'm gonna roll the dice because i'm going to pittsburgh yeah. and um i want a board fed kiosk <laughs> I even miss the uh, the cheesy uh, flight attendant uh, flight attendants oh. that, that'll take a stab at a real a real silly announcement. Oh Have you heard a gosh. good one ever? No, I've never heard a good one. My favorite ones are when they get passive aggressive with uh, <laughs> passengers who are boarding too slowly. Oh yeah. Where they just get on there like we would love to leave right now, but. Oh, you guys God. need to get on the plane and put your things up. Like, have you heard those when you're there, when like they're delayed? And they're like kind of blaming you. And they're going, if everyone could get on really quickly, we'd like to leave on time. And you're like, you're like we've just um, been fucking standing here. <laughs> right. Yeah. But Have I think you... it's kind of fun. Or like when people get up to pee too soon, which is usually me. And they do like an announcement where they go, uh, the seatbelt sign is still on. So. <laughs> As you're walking down like the aisle, she's just yeah. kind of like, it's on right now. So when you go into that you're gonna go you're gonna go into the yeah you're gonna, go, you're gonna close the door you're gonna and she's in so while she's in there let's let this be a lesson to everyone you're like you narrating my pee uh have you ever been one-upped in a southwest line um and i know you got a netflix special now so southwest is probably a thing of the past but but um you know a quick az vegas flight have you um have you been a part of a southwest uh you know where you're maybe group b and you're uh number 44 and someone's kind of lurking behind you and they're they're 40 and they're uh they're coming up behind you and everyone's boarding and it's as the line's moving and they just come up and they're like well what are you actually let me even say 42 and you're 40 so two spots and you're you're just like we're all getting on and they come up as you're going and they're just like oh. <laughs> and they just slip in right in front of you have you had that happen 
it depends where you're at. If we're A1 through 30 and you want to get on before me, you're 15, I'm 20, whatever. Get in front of me. I don't care. Um, <laughs> honestly, if I'm in the first 30 on a Southwest flight, I just get in the back because it doesn't matter. We're all still getting to pick the seats we want. Even if I'm, if I'm in the first like 50, A50, I feel safe. If you get into like B territory, every spot counts. I don't blame anybody who's like, what number are you? Yeah. You're 41, I'm 40, get out of my way. That, once you're into the Bs, that could be the difference between a window seat and a middle. Yeah, it's Hunger Games Southwest style when you are in group B or C. It's literally like, I mean, I saw somebody pull out a switchblade once to, um, <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, I've, I've, I've been nudged by people before to, um, to go in line when I've been just kind of like dilly-dallying or spacing out on my phone. Um, what did you fly to Aspen when we went there? Because I think we were, I we both were even the same. I just, maybe Delta? I can't remember what I flew because it was probably Delta, but there were no good options to get to Aspen or get out of Man, Aspen. I know. And you and I both were kind of waiting until the last chance to get there and not get there super early. Becky Robb uh, obviously has a, a history with Aspen and, and was doing, I think, a few more, um, part of, of a few more festivities. But I didn't realize there was so much other shit to do other than what we were doing. And then I see you post a video of snow dog racing with the cast of snow dogs starring Cuba Gooding <laughs> Jr. And I was like, when did she find time for this? And then I realized, oh yeah, there's a whole day before the show. How'd that happen? Yeah. A lot of time. My manager is from Colorado and had done it before. Oh. And she was like, it's the best thing I've done. My treat, we're going. So she took me and another client of hers, Dusty Slay, who was there yeah. as well. And we all went dog sledding and it was great. It was really fun. Although I will say the videos you saw were the dogs taking us downhill. Yeah. And then the way back was all uphill. And those dogs had to stop every like 30 seconds to rest, what, which was very triggering for me. Oh, yeah. As being an overweight child, I was like, this is. This <laughs> I is didn't even think dogs. of that. Can we just get out and walk <laughs> next to the dogs? Like, yeah. this feels like anytime a boyfriend has tried to pick me up. <laughs> or it's like, please don't do it. Like, I'm sorry. Please, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't realize how many steps know. there were leading up to this red robin. This is on me. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a great video if you could have somehow finagled uh, a switcheroo with you guys in the dog with the harnesses <laughs> and everything and the dogs just chilling in your seats. Oh, that's you funny. I don't know how to, you would have pulled that off, but I think you could have because you obviously have an eye for content as seen in your, um, you're now variety approved quarantine web series. I mean, just when you think Variety's got no time to do write-ups during a pandemic, <laughs> they don't stop for nothing. That was so I think, cool. I think all anybody has to write about is the pandemic. And so writing about entertainers entertaining during the pandemic is like, yeah. I've seen so many articles about that. I think people are really like desperate to write articles like, shining a light of laughter in the darkness these are how these comedians are dealing with the pandemic like you've seen so many of those so i mean you know and it is what we're all doing i feel like we're all just trying to get a right up relevant. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh what uh what do you love about doing sam was saying it, it happened pretty organically as far as like you know the amount of joking you guys are doing and trying to you know obviously be thinking of ways to be creative during this time and then how can you you know not just waste your downtime and also take advantage of like your rapport and people digging seeing you guys it's, it's all mixed up into like a you know a good recipe for uh for a good show is um is it something you guys think you'll do like as long as this goes or do you think you're gonna hit a point and go all right let's find another cool thing oh the movie podcast obviously coming out of that too so those seem like two good things to keep you busy yeah i mean the sketch series is like who knows i mean at the end of the day those are really just relationship jokes yeah they're like little relationship vignettes yeah uh as as one interviewer described it back to me and i was like oh that's not, that makes them sound fancy yeah um 
So I don't know. I mean, those definitely won't survive past this quarantine for sure. Um, the movie podcast could be something we continue to do. I mean, I feel like throughout every relationship you're in, you're always showing each other movies that the other person hasn't seen yet that you're like, this was really important to me growing up or like, this is really big for me. Or like, I love this movie. And if you don't love it, it's fine, but it means a lot to me. And it's hard. It's been hard for me to find movies to show him because he's seen everything. Right. So like my picks are going to seem pretty basic and like probably pretty lame in comparison to his because he's like good fellas in Chinatown. And I'm like, we're watching Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, yeah. He told me. Going on 30. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, uh, you're like, what has he not seen? Because <laughs> everything good I like he's seen already. Right. He said you showed him singing in the rain, which I really appreciate. I did show him singing in the rain. That's which a great was, movie. It, what a night that was when I realized he hadn't seen singing in the rain yet. Yeah. The uh, classic. The amount of choreography in one shot. I mean, it's like Gene Kelly. I mean, I know he gets his, his, due, his due credit, but like, I don't know, does he? Like, why are we not talking about him every day? And every time somebody does a jump kick or a turn, aren't we? Why don't we call that the Kelly? The Kelly two, st- I don't know, you know, this is improv's tough, Taylor, but I think that there's something to be said <laughs> about like those movies and how they paved the way for, they also don't do, La La Land is, you know, got a lot of that fun stuff, but it's like, man, they didn't do that shit in one shot like that. La La Land is trash compared to Sing in the Rain. <laughs> and I, I like La La Land. I think it's sweet and fun yeah. and is like too beautiful. Is it too rom-com-y? Is it too, like, I'm always curious because I, I enjoyed it, but I definitely, I'm always curious from a girl's perspective. Are you like, you're tugging too hard? Like, just, you know, do one little loop no. and a light pull. Like, no, it's good. I, because, I think it's great. I yeah. love that they don't, they don't end up together. And it's such a... I dig that. That's such an important relationship to have as an artist with another creative person who also has dreams but it's doomed and it's not going to work out and it's just like a it's just a moment in time of your life and I think I think a lot of people even not artistic people have that I mean it's it's relatable to so many different people who had that person like in college or whatever who it your lifestyles were just not going to sync up uh but you learned a lot from each other and I, I just love that they didn't end up together I thought that was great do you think that La La Land kept Gosling and Emma Stone apart in the movie just so that girls watching could go, Ryan Gosling's still single? <laughs> and by girls, I no, mean... No, I don't think so. Because he's not. He's married to Eva, Eva Longoria, right? I didn't see a ring. No, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was married. No, they're married. Yeah, yeah. In real I, life or the movie? Okay. In, the, in real life, I think he's married. Oh, yeah, but I'm we talking can't. about for sake of the movie. Like, you know, if you could kind of suspend Oh, for sake of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't end Maybe. up and so you could walk out of the theater being like, I don't know. I'm always curious what's going on in the head of a rom-com writer. Like how much, because, you know, look, we got Lifetime Cheese, Hallmark. I had an audition for a leading a Hallmark movie, a Christmas movie. And my girlfriend was like, I've never been more excited for any of your opportunities. <laughs> um... <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I guess those do like play pretty well during whether it's the holiday season or just, I don't know, divorce season. Uh, <laughs> but Same thing. You, you'd be great in a rom-com. And I'm sure people, I'm, Thank you. I bet I'm not the first person to say that. How many people have told you that? Be I honest. would love to be in a rom-com. We've been talking about that since we've been quarantined. I mean, that's the thing is two creative people trapped together. We're just like, what else can we do? We're like, maybe we should write a rom-com for ourselves. Like, yes, dude, wh- just throwing darts at the wall. I'm sure your reps too, right? Are like, this is the time. This is the time to right. get a cartoon going or, uh, you know, come up with a new salsa, something that's. Oh, yeah. Are your reps doing that? Are they like sending you, yeah, I mean, you know, I, suggestions? A little bit. I, I You know, my manager did push me again on TikTok once I got with them and I was like, wow, this is your big, yeah. this is your big move, huh? But, um, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> so get mine did too, by the way. And yeah. they did it for me. So yeah. I was like, all right. And I, I mean, you know, I, I think I do a, a good job of being like self-sufficient and if anything, I think it's too, there's always my problem with too many things that I'm, um, uh, trying to be like, let's make all these. And they're like, pick one psycho. Um, yeah. But then, and then I think I've gotten good at like narrowing down that I'm not just sending 20 log lines. It's like, 
hey, here's a fully produced um, pilot and sizzle that I spent six months on and put all my money in. And then here's something that is just a, you know, something from every world of it. Here's just a trailer. Here's just a deck. Here's which one of these can be. And then it's always, well, which one are you most passionate about? Um, but uh, I, I do think that if you're not trying to create during this time or do anything, first of all, I don't know how you're surviving because I mean, you know, and you, I would love for you to speak to this. Um, you talked a little bit about it on, on Whitney's pod about just like, you know, anxiety and, and depression. And, and this, I feel like is, you know, probably hitting people harder in a way that you could never even try to anticipate for, because look, we all, you know, can get good, especially in the comedy world of being by ourselves, people that don't do this can find ways. I have friends that, you know, work from home that have a routine and are pretty happy just doing their thing. They have a handful of friends in their network and they kind of see, but now is like very tough because it's just them and there's not that extra give and take with somebody live. But, uh, you know, I have days where I am like, should I get on something? Because I'm so, I get kind of weighted down from all this, but then I try to not have a pity party and find a way go, well, what are you not doing to get out of it? But then sometimes even whatever I find creatively to, to fill that void isn't fulfilling it like I want it to, or, and then I just, and then I'll go, well, if I could get on a stage or if I could go, if I could drive to a, drive to an audition, you know what I'm saying? Like versus just doing it all in, in one spot. It's, uh, and then you try to meet that with, okay, I could also be, you know, uh, wondering if my family member is going to get, you know, through the night because the ventilators are running low. So it's like, yeah, perspective, prob- your problems matter, but you know, uh, how do you, yeah. how do you, and I know you, you spoke too, because I'm always curious. Cause I, I, you know, shit, there's times where I'm like, maybe I should get on a fucking something to boost my, my mood. And, and you spoke about a few things that you got on that really helped. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. I mean, I can tell you I'm on medication and I feel very depressed right now. I feel like this situation is, uh, is not a good indicator of whether or not you need, uh, antidepressants or a mood stabilizer or something would be my, that would be my guess. I mean, I am not a doctor, so I don't know. Um, Whoa, 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 whoa. It says (laughs) below your, I don't know if that's zoom to put that up, but it says doctor Tomlinson below. (laughs) That's just for credibility. It's <laughs> it's worth it. Just get to get some um, free ambient. Is there things? Yeah, I mean, that- I'm really glad yeah. I got on something. Oh, you that are? I'm on meds. Oh, yeah, yeah. I take a mood stabilizer. I think it's technically, I don't think it's technically an antidepressant. It might be, I think it's a mood stabilizer for people that had bad side effects to antidepressants, which is gotcha. m- was my experience um, that I take every night. And then I also um, have like as needed medication that I take. Gotcha. Um, like I have something for insomnia. I have something for, I have clonopin, like I have something else for anxiety. Like it's, it's helpful to have those things as like tools, but even those besides, besides the, um, antidepressant or mood stabilizer that I take at night, everything else is on like an as needed basis. And I try to only take that stuff when it's like, there is no other option. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you went for a walk. Uh, you got some fresh air and sunlight on your face, you exercised, you've eaten really healthy, you've had enough water, you talked to someone uh, who loves you, you did something productive. Like once I've gone through the checklist of all those things, that's when I go, okay, maybe time for a confident or, uh, or maybe time to, to take an edible or something, you know, like yeah. I think, I think it's important to kind of not, um, not at least for me i shouldn't speak for everybody but for me during this time i'm trying not to self-medicate too much yeah um to the point where i stop being productive because i don't want to lean on anything um to keep to keep myself okay yep um but at the same time i'm very grateful and lucky that i have those resources um when things do get bad because you know i mean this is insane like we're all we're all like depressed and anxious and mourning the loss of our entire lives. I mean, 
you know, as a stand-up, even even when you're not making money as a stand-up comedian, when you're just starting out, you're able to perform every night, you know? You're able to feel like you're getting closer to that. And so yeah. this, where we're all just grounded, it's like, this is the first time in my life I've been like, oh, I'm unemployed, mm. and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And everybody's unemployed, and yeah. we're afraid of catching this disease, and yep. or other people getting it and dying. And it's, uh, yeah, there's no, I don't think there's any like you said there's no knowing what's going to happen there's no rule book so whatever you need to do to be okay during this time i support you um i think it's different for everybody for me personally i have just been trying to try every possible thing before maybe i dip into anxiety medication right. um or weed or whatever i like that you said edibles i don't know you were fucking with that that's that's good yeah I, yeah. I have really bad nightmares when I don't take an edible. So I've been taking, um, I've been taking an edible for like the last few years at night to go to Damn. sleep because THC inhibits dreaming. Uh, career related nightmares, um, cartoon related Everything. nightmares. Yeah. What? <laughs> Everything. I mean, the career related nightmares are fine. I can deal with those. Um, like I walking mean, on stage and getting your act or, or like, somebody trying to stab I usually have a you. dream I'm I mean I usually have a dream that I'm in like a play and I Me don't too. know do you oh yeah and I I have a friend who's very into like analyzing that stuff so she usually give me a pretty straight answer but then sometimes it's not the answer I want to hear and she'll try to you know tell me what I should do and I'm like uh, yeah actually maybe you don't know what the fuck you're talking about where I'm like right. I forgot all the lines to the play and then I went outside and my car wasn't there she's like you're not prepared for what's coming i'm like all right you know what i'm i don't think calling you is a good idea you just seem to be <laughs> take me down taking me down a dark path but yeah that play one is very real or or i had one probably a month ago where it was doing a play that i did in high school and i went in and it was everyone acts like you know t time had passed so it was almost like i was going back to do it like now but i i couldn't find like my wardrobe so i went out in street clothes and then i was like fuck i need to like quickly go through the whole script because my scene's next and I don't know the dialogue. Am I going to improvise? Everyone's going to look at me like, you know, and then that happened. And then I woke up and it was really, it was crazy. Like the amount of anxiety from not knowing what the tin man is going to say next to the cowardly line and the whiz. <laughs> that was uh, and the fact that I was just going to have to improvise and be like, Hey, my, my heart's actually fine. Let's fucking, we don't got to go, <laughs> go to Oz. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, I have Man. ones where nobody even gave me a script and I'm about to go on. Whoa. And I'm like, where's that's way worse. I, I just need to look at a script. Yeah, and nobody will get me one. And I have to go. It's like it's so weird. But yeah, no, the nightmares that are like too bad are like I had a lot of dreams about, you know, people you know, I was dating, like just becoming totally different people or mm -hmm. lying to me or fucking with me and uh dreams where people in my family died or disappeared or dreams where I was being attacked in like the hotel room I fell asleep in on the road. So then I'd oh. wake up in that hotel, not be able to tell if I was dreaming or not. I lucid dreamed a few times and couldn't wake myself up. So I was just trapped in the dream going, knowing I'm dreaming, trying to prove to people in my dream that I was dreaming and nobody would believe me. We've got the opening scene to our rom-com. <laughs> uh wait a sec that's terrifying yeah it's really scary so if you have a dream about a guy in a hotel like at the front desk attacking you how weird is that when you walk down and you're like can i um can i get some toothpaste and he's like are you now analyzing everything he says and does super weird yeah it's really <laughs> creepy and you you when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're sleep deprived because you've been traveling and you had this like horrifying very vivid nightmare there's part of your brain that goes, am I, is it still happening? Like, am I still dreaming? Am I, you know, is this just another part of it? Cause I'd also have dreams where I, you know, those terrible dreams where you keep waking up within the dream yeah. and going, Oh, I was dreaming. Like an incept, literally an inception. Nightmare. Without the Joseph Gordon Levitt. Right. Yeah. Oh boy. That is, does the weed give you any fun dreams? Does it kind of take away and provide no. some extra adventures? No. No, if I, if I take enough, um, I've out. had to like up the dose as I've, you know, obviously gotten used to it, but 
if I take enough, I won't dream at all, which is perfect. I love that. No dreams. Yeah. Because yeah. if I, even if I don't have nightmares, the dreams I have here. a weird dream. Keep them in your heart. <laughs> and that's how the rom-com <laughs> ends. Someone's like, well, so am I not supposed to have any dreams? And you go, have all the dreams you want, Gabe. My name's Ethan. <laughs> Whatever. Keep them here. <laughs> Cut. What's up? <laughs> um, well, you're uh, you're just such a breath of fresh air, and you're always smiling. I feel like even as as you know awful as as these times can be, and I appreciate that because, and and a lot of people do. You know, I I see it in the in the stuff that you post. People are just like so grateful that you're, you know. I don't know how much it's actually keeping some people going and alive the, the way that some people will, um, will comment on, but like, man, it is, you know, comedy is always a great distraction for the real troubles that life can provide. And, and you seem to be like super active in, in doing that and making sure that people have stuff and the amount of people that are going back to watch your special. I think I saw one thing you reposted, uh, about somebody watching it like for the third time and then they and then they got on a podcast of yours and then they watched something else they were kind of doing like a a, a yeah. tt deep dive um which uh if you were a wrestler would be your i think your move for sure the tt deep dive and uh <laughs> uh but i was really that was really cool that they were just like now i'm just consuming everything taylor because you know that's also what cool about being in your spot where it's like being on this upswing with all these cool things that people people love to discover new Comics too, like and and getting on board before things really explode, and and um, and you're you're doing that, and you're so like interactive with people and and sweet and and not jaded. So oh. keep doing. Thank it. you. I mean, I'm trying. At least I got plenty of time to interact right now. Yeah, <laughs> virtually. Yeah, you said you did a pod before this. Are you just like I almost feel like there's you could truly just do. I mean, the amount of people that are hitting me up sometimes for like just do come do seven minutes on a zoom show i'm like if i do all the zoom stand-up shows it's gonna make me a bad comic um, have you done zoom stand-up shows i've done a few and and what do you think man i probably gonna do a few more but i don't know how many more after that i know some people are truly trying to find a a way to monetize it and are doing it but i don't i mean and look that part i get and i i don't want to turn myself off from that, but wasn't great. And there were some notes from yeah. the person who was running it. Cause the, you know, some of the best parts were the crowd work I was doing on the people that ran the business in this 40 square thing. And, and I was really laying it to this guy who had like a weird statue of like, I kept saying it looked like a hamster with wings. And he was like, it's a dead pheasant. I killed when I was 12. I was like, things not to say on zoom in front of strangers. And he was like, <laughs> I run the company. I was like, I don't give a shit, dude. Your screen's coming in. Like, <laughs> And everybody was loving it. It was like fun, but but then I got some notes after about certain bits, and I was like, you know, like people love to, especially and not in all corporate things. Some of them have been very pleasant, but more often than we not, did a I, corporate I, Zoom show. Yeah, yeah, where people are oh. like, they, they they enjoy to be like, you know, I know we hired you, but I think I know what I think I know what's gonna work, and you're like, no, you don't, oh. but I will listen. Corporate uh, shows in person are bad. I know. But I don't know. It, it's the timing of it. The audio it was all, it was all whack. So, um, and I don't use that word a lot. So if I'm using that to describe it, <laughs> if I'm not, no, in a, it is in fact whack. <laughs> if I'm not in a skateboard gang fight in a parking lot of a gymnasium in 1996, then you know that this zoom show <laughs> is, is not what you want your career to end up like, but I don't know. It was, it was, again, I'm always down to like, I think you're probably the same way, right? Like you want to, if something scares you a little bit, you're like, well, let me jump in. I don't want to not ever feel like I'm above or, or tip, you know, scared to, unless it was one of your, uh, you know, your, your nightmares then, then, which this could have been, you know, but um, <laughs> I don't know. You're going to do any. I don't know. I don't yeah. think so. They don't appeal to me at all. Yeah. You're fine. Um, but after another month, who knows? I, I would really rather not if I can help it. Yeah. Well, um, I will, we'll uh, <laughs> by the way, cut to you, cut to another variety write up zoom comic. Taylor Tomlinson Tomlinson says, <laughs> I never thought I I'd, I'd stoop to this, but we're still working on the article, but it's boy, she's doing <laughs> zoom shows now. 
Um, Zoom comedian says she's never going back. <laughs> there it is. Whoa. There it she's is. never going back to real life. Damn. Well, no. hopefully we get back to it soon. Hopefully I get to uh, see you guys live in the flesh. Thanks for doing this. And uh, Quarter Life Crisis is the amazing Netflix special that people are rewatching because it's that good. And um, Self Helpless, the podcast, which I know the gals are pumped that you're able to be a part of that more so, which is very mm -hmm. cool. And uh, Instagram, Taylor Tomlinson Comedy? Taylor Tomlinson. Taylor Tomlinson. And that's where you can get- mm -hmm. And this YouTube. is important to me. There's the podcast. Oh, yes, the movie podcast. I'm going to jump into that because I, I uh, as of last year, jumped into like movie pods. And, and um, there's one on the Ringer Network called The Rewatchables where they, you know, rewatch things and discuss. But they're all not comics. So when you guys oh. posted that, I was like, yeah, that's the one. Like, that's what you do. Um, yeah. With actual, like, you posted a little clip from one with a perspective about, what was it? You, you can remind me. We did Austin Powers, but we that's took it, it down because the audio was so bad. Oh. So we, that was like a little teaser, I guess, that we ended okay. up taking down because we just couldn't, we, we botched the audio and it yeah. just didn't sound very good. And we're like, we don't want this to be our first episode that people find. Um, so yeah, we've got Goodfellas singing in the rain and, uh, back to school up right now. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. If I can make yeah. some suggestions, Patch Adams, the Muppet oh. movie, um, <gasps> haven't seen it. No, I've seen a bunch of Muppet movies and okay. I maybe need to make him watch a Muppet movie. Fuck yeah. Muppet movie, Muppet. Cape. Uh, he'll probably make you watch Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg where she wins a contest and uh, coaches the Knicks. Ask him about that. He'll oh, smile. He, has, he has talked about that. <laughs> yeah. Of course he has. <laughs> Sounds so bad. It Whatever. Is, I made great. him watch Harry Potter. Yeah. It's, you're even now. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you're the best. Thanks for doing this. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. What are you going to do? You're the best. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hope it goes by fast. <laughs> I mean. Don't mind us. <laughs> uh, you're the best. Bye, Taylor. Thank you. Bye. See you soon. <laughs>